hello. It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Hayden over Zoom video. Hayden was born around Fresno, California, but he jumped between there and Ojai, eventually moving down to Los Angeles. We talked about how he got into music, really picked up a guitar at 12 years old, started to learn some Bruno Mars covers and whatever other pop songs were on the radio at the time, and then he just put it down, wasn't really interested anymore. We talk about how he got into college at USC in Los Angeles, moved to Los Angeles, and was doing some modeling and stuff, but he decided he needed to, to like become more minimalist, and he, started, he lived in his car for a year. I thought that was wild. He just chose to live in his car for a year, he had a guitar and he just became obsessed with it and he was writing songs. He started hanging out with the people in the music department at USC and he switched majors. We talked about that. And recently he had a video go absolutely nuts on TikTok. Millions and millions of views and likes. So he talks to us about going viral, how that was uh, actually going viral again on Instagram after the fact. So he was able to move those fans from TikTok over to Instagram and have a ton of pre-saves on, on the song, which is awesome. He's got an EP coming out as well. We talked about Can't Hurt Me and what's, what's coming up with Hayden. You can watch the interview on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music, you could follow us there and hook us up with a five-star review. That would be amazing. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Hayden. This podcast is about you and your journey in music and we'll talk about the new stuff you have coming out. Awesome. That sounds great. Amazing. So you're in LA. Are you born and raised in LA? Um, no, I have been in California my whole life. Uh, I was born more in like the Bay Area near Fresno and okay. moved to LA for uh, college. I'm in college still right now. Oh, rad. Okay. We're in, in the Bay Area. We're about in the Bay Area. I lived up there for a while. I'm from San Diego. So uh, I know California well. I live in the Bay Area for a little bit, uh, but now I'm in Nashville. So I'm just curious. Okay, cool. Uh, we kind of moved up and down. I was, I was born like in the Central Valley of California mm -hmm. near like Fresno and then kind of moved our way south uh, and, and came back up and settled for a good amount of time in a, a little town called Ojai, California. Oh, yeah. I know Ojai. So 
get our way up and down the coast. That's a beautiful area. I think uh, Pierre of Simple Plan lives in Ohio, California now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, good. They're uh, he's good friends with like my mom. I think. Which is crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, he's a great a really guy. I really like him. Uh, yeah, that's so funny. Uh, well, how did you get into music? Um, I started as a. It was a weird. It's a weird path. Like I'm. No one in my family is really musical. Um, I started as an aerospace engineer when I went to college, and then wow. when I was doing that, I I was I started playing guitar. I played it a little bit as a kid, and just picked it up again as a hobby. Got like uh obsessed absolutely obsessed and um started doing less and less engineering started doing sessions for other artists and stuff playing in their their songs and then uh over time i started to develop like a hand condition that i had when i was younger and it came back um and it prevented me from being able to open my hands just because i was playing guitar so much that the uh, tendons in my hands would swell up and i just wouldn't be able to move them so i was it freaked me out didn't know what i was gonna do went to the doc like went to my doctor, they said, you got to stop playing guitar. And from there started writing songs just because I still had that like musical void kind of left over. And um, I guess from there, just yeah, I started writing songs when I couldn't think of how to get people to sing them. I just started singing them myself. And yeah, that was, that was like a, almost two years ago now. Oh, wow. So this is very new. The songwriting thing. Okay. Yeah, I've only been releasing music for, for roughly 10 months or so. Almost, but even, almost a year. But even prior to that, you said you didn't start playing guitar or anything until you were in yeah. college? Uh, it was my freshman year of college when I really started playing. And then it ramped up into sophomore year. And so I was only playing for about a year doing sessions for people um, when I had to, to stop because of my hand thing. Right. Whoa. Well, then prior to that, you, what did, you didn't do anything musical? Like it would just all happen within the past couple of years? Yeah, it was... I'm like a zero to a hundred person. So I get obsessed <laughs> with um, hobbies. I'm, I was like an attention seeking kid. So I was just doing anything and everything I could to get people to laugh or to look at me. So I was like doing street magic and like silly little phases and then stumbled on music when I was younger, loved it, but I, I didn't know what to do. Like past a certain point, I learned a few Ed Sheeran songs. It was like, wow, this is so cool. And then I didn't know like what music theory was, didn't know how to teach myself that and didn't really want to. So gave it up until I went to college and then I was like, yeah, I'll dive back into it. And then kind of went down the rabbit hole. Oh, okay. So you did play a little bit of guitar then. Yeah. I, I learned like, I learned the A-Team and Grenade by Bruno Mars. Okay. Um, and just like whatever, you know, was charting at the time and whatever was stuck in my head, I would try to figure out. And when did, like, when did you start playing guitar? Like, how old were you when you started doing that? That was 12, maybe 12, something like that. Oh, wow. So you put it down for a bit. It sounds like. Yeah, oh, super, super long time. Like, almost, almost, wow, almost, like, seven years. I was going to say a decade, and then I'm like, I'm not even 22 yet, so that doesn't make sense. But uh, (laughs) I'm not that old yet. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it it was definitely a minute. Wow. And then what drew you back into it? Like, did you hear something or somebody say like, um, why, why pick it up again? That's a good question. I, I, my freshman year of college, I was, I was living in my car to save money. I hadn't moved to LA yet. Um, you were living yeah. in your car. Yeah. I was living oh my in gosh. my car for that year. Tell me this story. How, okay. So you moved what from <laughs> Ohio to, to LA. 
Uh, sort of. I So okay. I did my first year of college in community college. I had gotten into USC, which is where I'm at now, out of high school, but just didn't have the money to pay for it. Sure. I still don't, but um, it had a single mom and we just couldn't afford it. So my first year I deferred, lived in my car, was like working jobs, and then was studying engineering at like community colleges and then transferred um, into USC after my first year of living in my car. So that's when I moved to LA. Wow. What? Yeah. I mean, a weird car. That's crazy. I mean, <laughs> what? I can't even fathom that. Like, do you, like, how, how do you even manage that? Uh, it was, uh, it was a really cool experience. I, <laughs> I feel like in high school I had gotten signed as a model. Um, just like so it had gotten scouted kind of randomly when I was 17 and was traveling to LA for the first time and kind of getting, um, exposed to that culture and oh is a small town i've always been just like bouncing from small town to small town so there's that mentality that comes in with uh being in small towns all the time and then you go to la and it's just this like sensory overload of amazing uh mm-hmm. new ideas new cultures new ways of dressing acting and all that um and i just got really uh obsessive so i would come back to my little town having just like done a shoot for Germany's next top model. And I would just think I was the shit. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Am I allowed you can to? cuss. Yeah. Oh, cool. sure. uh, thinking that I was the shit and realizing that I was very much so not like the local heroes of the town. Um, but I just kept getting caught up in kind of the LA materialistic thing. Um, and so when I found out I was going to be living in LA full time after that, I was like, part of me was one, I can't afford it. And two, I would like a little bit of like a humility check a little bit. So I wanted to live in the, it was definitely like by choice. Um, oh, okay. So it was like, I want to I need to save money. And I also like would enjoy being grounded a bit before I have to like go back into the belly of the beast and kind of live there mm-hmm. full time. So I did that for a year and roughed wow. it pretty in a, in a pretty, drastic way when kids were getting ready for school in their dorm rooms i was like showering in public restrooms with with homeless people is an interesting experience oh my goodness yeah i'll say so you were you you were doing modeling and that must have paid a little bit and and you got to be in that lifestyle a little bit right for sure yeah i was a absolutely awful model looking back at it because it wasn't something i was like looking for and i and i to your previous question i started playing guitar just because i was had a lot of downtime living in my car and uh outside of engineering Mm -hmm. uh so i was like i'll just pick it up again scrap a guitar to like the top of my my truck and i guess go for it so uh i wanted to be known for something other than modeling Mm -hmm. at the time and i didn't know how to reconcile that i was very just not into that um persona necessarily so I was just a bad model. I was a little, I was a bit of an asshole to my agents. They're like, we need you to cut your hair. And I was like, but I like having long hair and they don't want me to get my ears pierced, any tattoos or anything like that. I got my ears pierced, got a lip tattoo as a form of rebellion or something. <laughs> and so I was just kind of, uh, I was definitely not like the most um, respectful of like the environment. And I don't think I was appreciative enough of the opportunity. Now okay. I'm like, wow, that was absolutely insane. And, and anytime that I like have a photo shoot or something, I'm super jazzed to just be there. But before that, it was a little bit of a, I was a bit resistant to it. I didn't, I wouldn't know that you have a lip tattoo. So it didn't matter. That yeah. I mean, <laughs> I did a good thing. I, uh, it's on the, uh, 
Let's see. Is it still oh there? yeah, I can see a little bit. I yeah. can't see would read it, but um, nothing. Important. At least you. At least you did. Well, it's like at least you did that. It wasn't like you're like yeah. And then I got a face. Down. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of really pissed him off. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so you, you you're in your car. You have a lot of downtime. You obviously had a guitar, or did you pick yeah. that up along the way? Yeah, I um. I bought just like an, a, a cheap electric guitar and didn't have anything to plug it into. So I was just like playing an electric guitar acoustically. And if you've ever heard it, it just sounds like not good at all. Yeah, but, no, I know what it's Yeah. But you yeah. can get, you can tell what notes are and everything. You can yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to get the feeling under my fingers and build a kind of a comfortability. So then when I came to LA, I started doing sessions for people um, just because I was like practicing and playing just an ungodly amount. Um, so you and, met people that needed what a studio guitar player or something or session. Yeah. I was in the engineering school at USC, but uh-huh. would, I mean, there's not really a huge community when it comes to engineering and I'm, I'm a bit community based. Uh, uh-huh. I love like a, that family feeling. Um, and en- in engineering, it's just like, like everyone is suffering together. And I guess there's, there's kind of a bond there because everyone's like studying for thermodynamics or something like, man, we're all going to fail this, but hopefully the curve on the test is going to save us. Um, whereas music, it's very collaborative and everybody's just, it's, it's a bit more kumbaya in a, in a good way. Uh-huh. So I was familiarizing myself with the music community at the music school at USC while studying engineering. So I would like hang out with people and then I would be kind of the odd man out and be like, oh, that's crazy. You guys are like playing shows and stuff and I'm, you know, doing whatever I'm doing. So, um, whenever they needed a guitar player, I would just kind of volunteer myself as, as someone that could probably do it. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And then you, you played too much. You said your hand condition came back. Yeah, I was playing. I mean, when I was in my car, it was a lot. It was like not sleeping because I was just manic uh, with obsession. And so I was playing like six or seven hours a day. Wow. Um, and like sleeping in the library whenever I could. Um, and that definitely was like just overboard now now i can play a little bit longer just because my hands aren't as messed up anymore but i mean after a couple hours or so i could feel like the tension coming back and and it starts to hurt a bit so i just kind of have to walk that fine line from now on okay i was gonna say i think i've well i've seen videos of you playing guitar so i would i I assumed you you picked it back up again at some point yeah 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 it's i use it more as like a writing and performing uh device now as opposed to like trying to be this this like magnificent guitar hero that I was aspiring to be for that, that year and a half or so. Okay. So it's a bit more balanced now. So you wrote some songs and then how do you get the ball rolling in this, in your music career? Also I mean, it's been, been, it hasn't been very long, right? I mean, it sounds like you just started putting music out recently and yeah. in the past few years you were writing songs and yeah. What, what, what was the first little victory? Um, I met my, my producer who's like my main collaborator through a session I was playing guitar on for an artist that he was producing. And I had been kind of introduced to his friend group. They were all at USC as well, a group of musicians in a music house. And I was like, wow, this is absolutely incredible. Cause these were people who I was like, man, they're doing exactly what I secretly want to do while I'm in my calculus classes. And, um, being introduced to them and them kind of slowly indoctrinating me into the musician mindset. It's like, there's room for all of us. We can make money in the music industry. Now I'm realizing it's a bit harder than everybody was leading it to be, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I met all of them 
and realized that like a lifetime of a job that I don't like isn't really worth the money that it would have been worth. So uh, I started just changing my mindset, introducing my family to the idea of like, hey, I don't think I want to do math anymore. I think I would rather play guitar and write songs, which was a whole adjustment in itself. And um, just started uh, writing songs, finding ones that I really loved, ones that represented me, my producer and I. Uh, I was sleeping on his floor, the floor in his house. And we were just making music like 12 hours a day at the early stages of the pandemic when things were really, really on lockdown. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, we made like 10 songs. Two of them ended up getting released, which was my, my first single, which is now on like SoundCloud and YouTube, I think, but it's not on, on major DSPs anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the second single, which is still on major DSPs, which is unless um, we made that as part of those initial 10 demos. And those were the kind of the only two songs that I felt like were good enough to release. And from there, it's just been trying to get better on every song, challenge ourselves uh, and, and I guess level up in every way that we can. Sure. Are you still studying engineering or did you switch your major up? I switched my major. Yeah, that's a definitely a good, a good thing to know. I switched my major. I was in engineering for like two and a half years. And then um, just to kind of dip my toe in the water, I wanted to take a songwriting class at SC. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I walked in, I just like started tearing up because the professor was sitting on a stool with a jewel in his hand and he was just staring at the class with his legs crossed. And he was just, it was very like, just so weird because it's not some it's very artistic and he was just staring at us and waiting for one of us to talk or say something and then when one of us would talk he'd be like no just taking the moment and i was like these are the exact kind of weirdos that i need to be around (laughs) this is is what i want the rest of my life to be like uh that's that's funny wow he's he's just sitting there what smoking and just just chilling and then if somebody talks yeah, he was he was like treating it as if he was on stage during a performance and he just wanted to like take in the fact that he was at Glastonbury or something playing oh, like man. 50,000 people. Uh, and I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. So from there, I switched into music business, music industry, which is what mm-hmm. I'm studying now. Oh, rad. I know that's a cool and a big major there at USC. Yeah, I was, I, I feel like it worked out surprisingly well uh, considering I didn't plan it and I wasted uh, just uh, uh, so much money in my first two years with physics classes that I'm never going to need to know anymore. But uh, I also happened to go to one of the few schools in the country that offers like a pretty robust music industry program. And it's based in LA, which is the place to be for music industry. So uh, the stars accidentally aligned and I kind of found myself in a situation more conducive to my wants and my needs than I realized prior. Okay. And you have a, a song that went off on TikTok, right? You had like a viral video. Yeah, it was my first experience with anything like that. It was. What was that like? I, I had been posting so much on TikTok very consistently. I mean, I don't, I don't post videos like anybody else. I don't record in TikTok and then just like throw a text on it and upload it. I record it on my phone, export it to Logic, like compress the audio. I adjust the we lighting, the crop, yeah. like all this stuff. I'm, I take way too much pride in. in the video making process. And I had just been doing that for a year and nothing had been, I mean, like most views I had gotten on a video was maybe 800 views, like a hundred likes or something. Um, and I posted what is now can't hurt me just an early draft of it. Mm-hmm. And it got 8,000 views. I was like, Oh my gosh, I made it. Like, this is crazy. I'm, I'm doing it. And then was that real quick. Yeah. Was that done 
uh, the same the same way where you shot at the video, put it in Logic, fixed the stuff, yeah. and then, so that was like a more of a produced video. This yeah, well, I posted it a few. The the really big video was like the fourth time, maybe the fifth time that I posted that song, and that was when it got you know as much res- uh, attention as we are now talking about. Okay. Uh, but before that, it was like kind of a steady ramp up. I was still like overproducing the TikToks and stuff. But every time I posted the song, it would just get more and more views. It was 8,000 and then 100,000 and 300,000. And I was like, wow, this is absolutely crazy. And then with just like the right prompt, the right timeliness, and then also the right performance and and all of that, I posted like the bigger video. Now it's at like 2.6 or 7 million or something views. That is nuts. And that was just like, I mean, I was, I didn't know how to, I was also like trying to, respond to all the comments it was something that i took very much pride in was responding to every single comment and then mm-hmm. after like seven or eight thousand comments like my brain was just melting i just didn't know what to do anymore so it took me a minute to adjust to the amount of eyes on me uh i still think i'm adjusting honestly yeah that's yeah to, to have one just go off like that was it steady or was it real quick like do you remember looking down at your phone and being like whoa God, it's just going off right now was yeah it was all because my expectations were so low like every Mm -hmm. single day it was it was getting it was more and more i would just wake up and there would be like five thousand new followers and uh likes and stuff and it was kind of over a a week and a half long period that the the initial two million views and people had come in and um we got like a ton of pre-saves and stuff off of that so i was able to direct people to like a specific place that helped the song that is currently helping the song stream and stuff, which is good. Cause I know a lot of artists that post an unfinished song and then they don't have a pre-save link or they don't have, you know, the tools set in place so that they can turn that, you know, attention into something more. Right. Yeah. That was was where I was going to go with my next question was like pulling people. Okay. Now you have their attention on TikTok, but are they going to move over to another platform to, to hear the full version? And, but it sure. sounds like with all those pre like the pre-save thing is a great thing. Yeah, there's there's a it's a it's a little trick that I didn't know about until the video had already done a million views that a friend put me onto and you can make a pre-save link for a song that's not even recorded or distributed or anything yet. And when I had posted the video, I had just written the second verse that day. So it was very much so unfinished. Um and I was able to put a pre-save link up after like that initial million. So I I lost, unfortunately, probably a good amount of pre-saves and stuff but got there about halfway through um Mm -hmm. and you can have a pre-save link for a song that doesn't even exist yet essentially and then once the song does exist enter in the information and they're all they will all be transferred over wow wow yeah what about like how did you overcome the fact that you were putting all these videos up you're putting all this time into it because i'm sure there's a lot of people in that same position where they're you know spending hours recording these videos and singing and doing these pieces and then putting in their computer or maybe they're using like final cut pro or logic or whatever right. they're adding them down and then they're putting them up and they're getting no view maybe they'll get a few views or they're getting like a, yeah. a couple likes or and they're not landing in that algorithm like how did you continue to keep going did you just think like oh maybe one of these will hit or it was I mean, I call it being your own cheerleader. It's really difficult. And I feel like 
just because I, I had my expectations so low for a long time, I was just kind of like, it was just a part of my daily routine. It was just something you do. I kind of just treated it like homework. Like I couldn't drink my coffee in the morning until I had finished a TikTok. Um, and it's kind of it. It's become an unfortunate reality. And now I think because I've achieved my goal, like all I wanted to do was go viral. I think that's what all musicians want. Um, and now that it's kind of happened, I'm like, I'm back in the same place that I was a month and a half ago where I'm just like, once you get a lot of followers on TikTok, the algorithm isn't really feeding your videos to that following. It's all for new followers because the algorithm is flipped. It's 90% of the people that see your videos are ones that don't follow you. And then 10% of the people that see them are ones that already are. So once you get, I mean, I don't know how many followers I'm at right now. It's like somewhere around 35, 36K. Those people are rarely seeing my videos because it's just, it has to make it onto the For You page. So even with a ton of followers, I can have a video with 2.7 million views and the very next video I post will have 10K views or, you know, 3K views. It just depends on the video. So I think to anybody that thinks that once it happens, like it's, you know, it's over and your life has changed. It's, it's a, it's quite a different reality. And I feel like I have a different view on TikTok now uh, than I did before. And I kind of look at it more now as a focus group at an artist's fingertips. Like you can figure out what resonates with a specific audience, but at the same time, you got to, to, you you have to keep in mind that it's a biased focus group because the algorithm is only going to push the things that you're known for. So if I got known for sounding like Sean Mendez, my algorithm is going to significantly favor songs that, or videos that reference Sean Mendez. But I'm not Sean Mendez and I'm not really trying to be. So it's an interesting thing that I'm battling right now, which is I'm not trying, I'm not a copycat artist. I'm trying to do my own thing. But right. at the time, that was a way of marketing the song to get people in the door and it worked. Uh-huh. And so now I just, you know, I've got other songs. I've got an EP coming out. I got all that stuff. So it's, leveraging what I have now in a way that gets people through the door. Sure. I mean, TikTok, that's a great uh, example. And I like what you said where, and I didn't realize that this was part of the algorithm where only 10% of your followers will see the video. Yeah. It's really interesting. Seems like that on every platform, right? I mean, if you, you'll see uh, a page that has 300,000 followers and every video they have maybe has 3,000, 4,000, 1,000 likes, under 1,000. And you're like, how did not, like, it it doesn't add up, right? I mean, the the math doesn't. And people think you buy followers and stuff. It's an interesting, uh, I I think we're all used to Instagram because Instagram's is the polar opposite. It's 90% of the people that see your content are ones that already follow you. So it's not a platform that's built for growth. They're kind of, they're trying to change that now with Reels which is a whole other part of this because I went viral on TikTok and then I posted the same video on Instagram and then I went viral on Instagram. And Oh, wow. Uh, and they're trying to change that with reels. So the algorithm it mirrors something like TikToks, but for average posts, it it's not pushed algorithmically. It's just for your followers that are, that are already there. So you're not going to gain any new fans from that. Right. But even with TikTok, no one's looking at the following portion right i mean like 95 99 of people that are on that app are just on the for you page flipping up and up and up and up and up so you could follow which is weird to me it's like the fact that people will take their time to follow like somebody that puts a viral video out somebody was telling me it's more like for the clout like it basically which is cool and that that you're getting followers and like that I mean, that's rad. The fact that it's translating into followers, but it is one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, I'm going to follow you, but I'm probably not even going to ever see your video again unless I like 
physically right. look you up. But that's a great, it's also great for you to see like, okay, like you said, it's a focus group. Okay, this video had 5,000 views. This one had 100, you know, 1,000, whatever it is, but you right. can kind of gauge it because you know it's not just going off the people that are your, already your fan. Exactly. They're, they're new people. And I think the whole idea of just having followers on TikTok specifically is just the idea that you have followers. It means that someone liked your personality, your video enough to want to follow you, even though they're not going to see your stuff, the intention is there. So for people that see that you have a hundred thousand followers on TikTok in your day to day, it doesn't really change much unless they're also following you on Instagram and Twitter and all these other things. And they're coming to your shows, but the intention of like, Oh, this person's interesting enough. I like their music enough to want to see them regardless of whether or not I actually will. I think right. it's, it's the cloud thing. Exactly what you're saying. You know, it's just so interesting to me. Yeah. Um, it's all about it. Social media is changing a lot right now. Uh-huh. You know, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's more of a YouTube thing. Like TikTok reminds right. me more of like YouTube where you'll get a notification if you subscribe to the person, but uh, right. if you're just, you know, clicking, searching something, the, you know, suggested stuff is a lot more, and smash that like button it's like everyone rolls their eyes like we don't like yeah very few people are actively liking youtube videos and like turning on their bell notifications and stuff but you know the people that do i guess it makes a difference yeah exactly i mean there's people that obviously reach a certain point with with youtube for example that it's like no matter what they're gonna put a video it's gonna get millions of plays for sure. Because for sure. people do smash the like button or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, have yeah. enough people that are down because they're like, okay, I know what this person is going to bring to the table every time a video comes out for them. That's that's a whole other battle just as artists now is if I blow up for one thing on TikTok, TikTok's gear, like TikTok wants to see me do that one thing I blew up for 10 different ways. And they want my whole brand to be that. So if I my prompt for my big video was uh, imagine that Camila Cabello cheated on Sean Mendez because they had just recently broken up. Um, and then I wrote a song about it. And then in the comment section, people are like, oh, do one for like uh, some other celebrity. Do, do one for Chloe and whoever just cheated on her. And I'm like, that's not the point of the video. It's just a marketing thing. I already had this song written about a, a story of my own. And I figured that this would be a way to get people in the door. Um, but you know, people want different iterations of that same concept and blah, blah, blah. And if I did that, I'm sure I would be much more viral than I currently am. But, uh, I mean, it's just, it's not what I'm doing it for, you know? Right. And that's comes down to the next thing is like, do you chase what went viral for you as far as a song goes? Like, is that something that you're like, okay, well this song worked, I need to write songs similar to that or is it just that song works i'm going to do what i'm going to do anyway like i'm going to write a song because it comes to me uh it's an interesting dilemma i think everyone goes through it i'm not i think to me artistically speaking it's more important to uh to say something that actually means something to me at the same time though i'm i'm just a big pop music geek like the reason i love pop music is because no matter your background, how you're feeling that day, what language you speak, where you're from, a good melody is just infectious and it'll be stuck in your head and it can unite people regardless of their differences. And I just, the psychology behind that is very interesting to me. Maybe it's like my, my STEM engineering brain that's like sees songs almost as Rubik's cubes. And I love the puzzle behind it. Uh Um, So I love the idea of having a hooky melody, but I also look at artists that focus a lot on that and, and, 
wonder if there's any more to them than just a hooky melody. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think past a certain point, like you get people in the door with a hooky melody, but past a certain point, people kind of want to know about you. They want to be invested in your personality and stuff like that. But, you know, from the beginning, there's no reason to. So I'm kind of navigating that right now, figuring out how much of me needs to be this, like this, this pop robot thing that gets people in the door. And then how much of me am I allowed to reveal right now without scaring people off? So Mm -hmm. at this point, I'm kind of like my, my project that I'm working on right now is more focused on finding a, a, or having a very clear Hayden sound. Cause up until now I've dropped singles and they've just been all over the place. Cause I was experimenting and trying to find mm-hmm. out what worked for me, what resonated with people. And now that I've found that uh, I want to create this kind of world that people can come into and understand, Oh, this is what Hayden's doing. This is what his songs sound like. I know what to expect with the next songs because this is what he does. And I'm a fan of that or I don't like it, you know? Mm-hmm. And how you, you said you have an EP coming out or working on. EP? Yeah. Yeah. We're working on it right now. It, uh, I don't have a release date yet, but we're expecting kind of March, April area. Um, Can't Hurt Me is the first single. It's also the name of the EP because I figured that it would be uh, kind of a shout out to the people that made this all happen in the first place, which is TikTok. Yeah. Anytime I go on a TikTok live, I'm like, you guys like get priority. You're going to hear the song before my mom hears it. You're going to be like, I kind of give all the praise to TikTok because I mean, all those those people made me as uh known as i am i guess right now mm-hmm. that's amazing that's amazing and thank you so much hayden for doing this i really appreciate it of course i'm i'm super honored that you guys wanted to have me on i appreciate it yeah uh, i do have one more question for you i want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists <sighs> i feel like such a a misfit in my own life that it's hard for me to give advice uh but I mean, I think it all comes back to being your own cheerleader and, and mm-hmm. setting like expectations. I'm really bad at setting expectations and it's something that I wish I were better at. Um, so if you want to be known for a thing, I, f- I feel like it's most important to focus on that thing. For a long time, I was, o- I was, and I'm glad I was, I was only posting about my music the way that I do my music and being myself because I didn't want to post like a video about my skincare routine and blow up because of that. And then like spend the rest of my life trying to fight that one specific niche or that one thing that I'm known for. So being someone who wasn't native to music, but found my way to it, I found it super satisfying when my music did finally get some attention. And I'm like, Oh, this is so much better than getting known for you know, some kind of comedy or dance trend on TikTok or something and building a following that way. I think the mentality is now is like, just build a following in any way you can and then guide them to what you want to do, which is music or acting or something more creative. And I feel like mm-hmm. the way social media works right now is once you're known for that thing, it's it's hard to break out of that thing. We've seen it with, you know, all the TikTok stars that are trying to make music right now. The first thing people do is roll their eyes and like, just stay in your lane. And that's that can be a, a suffocating box to put yourself into. So I'm like, you want to be known for something, just do it, do it relentlessly, be your own cheerleader. It's not easy for anybody. And uh, just know at the end of the day, it will happen. It's just a matter of time. 